Everyone, good morning. It's good to be with you via the internet. My name is Larry Moore, as you probably know, and it's my pleasure to share the Word of God with you this morning. I don't know what your life has been like the last year and a half, but uh, I would suggest these have been some of the craziest days, maybe the, the craziest days of our lives. COVID-19 has affected the entire earth, which is something that can't be said about many other things, if you think about it. There's not many events in the history of the world that affected every corner of the world. There have been millions of people infected. Thousands of people have actually passed away from, from, uh, from uh, being infected with COVID-19. Many people have suffered mental anguish uh, due to isolation. Relationships and families have been divided over the restrictions and various other decisions that our leadership has made. There's been a great frustration with the seeming lack of progress and double-mindedness when it comes to this. My wife Sandra and I have actually both been infected with COVID-19 and I can tell you that it's not a joke, it's not uh, a ruse or anything like that, it's the real deal. It's actually happened. It's no small event that we've been through over the last year and a half. So regardless of what you think about this time, I believe it's crucial for us to take a moment to step back, take a deep breath and ask ourselves this question, what do we do now? There are parts of the past 18 months that the Lord is just not going to explain to us. And I know that rubs some of us the wrong way because we're very comfortable and secure in having answers to every question. But on this side of heaven, I can pretty much guarantee you there are some things he's not going to tell us and we just have to be comfortable with that. We have to trust that he's got this and the fact that we can't camp here, we have to move on. This season has changed the world that we live in. It's not finished yet. It's continuing. And it's crucial that we have the wisdom that the sons of Issachar had. The Bible says about the sons of Issachar that they knew the times and they knew what Israel should do. Those are really crucial people to have. The wisdom that they had is also available to you and I. Your name might not be Issachar. You may not know any Issachar people. But the truth is that wisdom is available to you and the Lord will direct you. I believe the Holy Spirit is calling the church, first of all, to move on from this place. We're not to camp here. We're not to get discouraged about where we find ourselves, but we're actually supposed to move on from here to a place that the Lord would direct us to. Whether or not we have all the answers in this past year, I'm going to suggest that we don't. Let's just go with that. We can't stay here. Francis Schaeffer wrote a book called How Should We Then Live? This message is similar in the sense that the question I'm posing is, now what, Lord? Where do we go from here? And I realize that it's not over. I realize we're not through everything. It's not like we can write history books about this yet. But in spite of that fact, I think this question stands and is crucial that we have to ask the Father, what do you want us to do now, Lord? I've asked the Lord to give me a word, if you will, in season, a word specific to this particular time. And he shared two or three things with me I want to give you this morning. First, if we're going to get past this season and move ahead with it, and with both what God wants to do with us individually and as the church, we need to reestablish one simple and yet powerful truth in our lives. Just one truth. God is greater than anything that we've come up against. And that's going to be a word in season, not just for you that have experienced COVID, but some of you that are listening today are going, to, are going to say, yeah, that's, that's for me today in something outside of COVID, and that's fine. But the truth holds firm. 
we have to understand that God is calling us beyond this and that he's got this under control even when it seems like everything around us is anything but. Let me share a couple of scriptures with you. First of all, Isaiah 45 verse 1 says this, I am the Lord, there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, people may know that there is none besides me. I'm the Lord, there is no other. I form the light, I create darkness, I bring prosperity, I create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. What's he saying? He's saying that he's in charge. And as much as it may seem politically, and maybe in your family or your workplace, in society in general, in the culture that you're in, as much as it may seem like there's no one in charge, you need to understand Jesus is still in charge. Jesus is in charge. And that has to be a bedrock truth in our life if we're going to move on from where we are right now and trust God to have good things for us in our future. More in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 21. This is my favorite chapter in the Old Testament. The writer says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and his people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princess to nothing and reduces the rulers of this world to naught. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me, he said, or who is my equal, said the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? Who created all of these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls them forth, each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. I don't know what you're like, but my experience is I many days can't find a mate to my socks, let alone know where all the stars are. And I certainly don't know how to name them. The Bible says not only did he create them, not only did he name them, but he put them in their place in their orbit. What's the point? The point is in Isaiah 40, he's saying, I'm all powerful. I'm omnipotent. Can I remind you this morning, if you're a Christian, that this is the God that you serve, one who's omnipotent, one who's all powerful, one who's in charge. This is the bedrock truth that we have to come back to. As much as things may seem very fragile and sketchy all around us in every aspect of our life, he's still in charge. And it's that confession of your faith in him that's going to bring that solidity to your walk with him. Nothing keeps him up at night. Nothing causes him to lose sleep. We know the Bible says he doesn't sleep and he doesn't slumber anyways, but if he did... Your problems, my problems, the problems in this world would not cause him to lose any sleep. The truth is he knew everything that was going to happen in the past 18 months before the worlds were formed. This didn't take him by surprise. Whether it's the issue of COVID or anything that you're experiencing in your personal life, it doesn't make any difference. He knew about it. Hear me. He knew about it. He had a plan. He knew it was going to come our way. And he knew that he would not let it destroy us. If we're going to find safety, protection, and peace in times like these, we need to submit ourselves to him and align our hearts with this truth, with or without all the answers. Let me repeat that. 
with or without all of the answers in our lives, we need to submit ourselves and align ourselves with this truth. He's got this. Can I say that to you this morning? He has this. He's got it under control. I know some Christians that have walked away from their faith uh, during this time because he hasn't answered their questions or maybe explained COVID to their satisfaction. And I understand the frustration that goes with the lack of answers, but I'm here to tell you this morning that with or without the answers, he's still God, he's still in control, he still has this, and you can rest in that. When God asks us to move with him in faith, usually he doesn't share the answers to all of our questions in advance of our personal obedience. Let me say that again. Usually when God asks us to move with him in faith, he doesn't share the answers to all of our questions in advance of our obedience. The truth we must trust in isn't that things in life will change. We know that that's true. But that even if they do change, God will not that's where our hope is. John 10, 27, Jesus speaking, he said, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. No one, no, no uh, pandemic, no issue, no mistake that they have made, no problem that they've run up against that they thought was somebody else's uh, trying to destroy them, whatever the situation may be in their life, there's nothing, nothing that will snatch you out of the hand of the Father. Even if we can only give metal assent to this truth, can I suggest that we start there? Can I suggest that we verbally confess this truth? Do it in faith and you'll see it become real in your life. Take the scriptures that speak of the faithfulness of God to you and listen to yourself speak them out loud. Your soul needs to hear that, and the enemy of your soul equally needs to hear that. Our hope can't rest in having answers to every question. It must lie with him who knows it all, or it lies in no place secure. There's many examples of an all-is-lost atmosphere where Jesus or the Father came through and was still in control. If you remember the story of Jesus in the boat on the lake where the big storm came up? And he was sleeping in the bow of the boat. Why was he asleep? Because he was tired? Probably. But that just spoke to the fact that he knew it was going to be fine. And the disciples, and I'm sure I'd act the same way as they did, they probably were, were looking and saying, how can you sleep when we're going to die here? And he got up and he said, what? You have little faith. And he just put his hand up and he said, be calm. And the entire ocean, or sorry, the entire lake became uh, still. Where was he there? Was he there? Yeah. But it didn't seem like that in the beginning. Remember the story of the three Hebrew children in the furnace. Before they got thrown into the furnace, they were put before the king, and the king said, you have to bow, and they said, we're not going to bow. Don't waste your time playing the song again, the little ditty that they play, and he was, they were supposed to bow down before him. They said, don't bother, king. It's not an issue. Don't worry about it, because <clears throat> it doesn't matter how well you play it. We will not bow. Because we believe that if we go into this furnace, that God will protect us from the flames. But if not, yet we'll still serve him. It's the but if not that gets me. All right? That's the thing that I struggle with. <clears throat> and yet that's the level of faith they had. They believed that God had this under control, regardless of what the outcome was. And it proved to be the case. Of course, we know the story of Job and all that befell him, Jesus, 
in the Garden of Gethsemane just prior to his crucifixion, even during those, those scenarios when it seemed like all was lost, God still came through. It may not be that serious for many of us when it comes to COVID, but the truth is it's the same bedrock truth that gets us through the situation we find ourselves in. Sometimes, regardless of our faith, the only way to get past a problem is to go through it. So the second point is this. Not only do we have to believe that he has this under control, the second point is, during times like this, we're called as disciples to stand against what the world and the flesh and the enemy would do and bring an answer to those who have lost hope. If there's anything about this time of COVID that's true, it's the fact that many people are struggling with, with the reason for uh, their existence in their life. If they were despondent before COVID, this is only added to it. Now, when it comes to the church, I believe in some cases the church missed a great chance to reach out and harvest people and show them the love of Jesus and went political instead. And I'm not here to argue whether or not we, we should stand up to the government or not stand up to the government. I, uh, I, just, I just feel strongly that I don't want to lose a chance to share the gospel because I've died on a hill that's not as important as that. And I've seen that happen in a lot of cases. I remember a story uh, on the news in Calgary where uh, they were interviewing, a reporter was interviewing a community director, community association director, and they were talking about a particular church that was actually shut down because they weren't obeying the COVID rules. And he said to them, <clears throat> he said to the news people, he said, these people, speaking of the church, these people don't care about us. They don't care about us. They don't care about the fact that, you know, some of us are sick or whatever the case may be. All they care about was the fact that they wanted to meet together. Now, I don't know whether that was true or not. I have no way to knowing that. But what I did ask myself after I heard that news report is this. What do they have to do as a church in this community to share the love of Jesus with these people now? Have they lost, because they died on a smaller hill, have they lost the opportunity to share what will keep them not just from physical death necessarily, but more importantly from uh, eternity uh, with Jesus Christ? Have they lost that opportunity to tell people about the love of Jesus because they died on a, on a smaller hill? Can I just say that conspiracy theories abound, but nothing <laughs> surprises the Lord? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And so not only can we trust him that he's got this, but in the midst of him having this, that we can go out and do the work of the gospel in accordance with what he's called us to do. And there are lots of people who have very little hope, no answers, and are looking for people like us. <clears throat> the fields are ripe to harvest. In fact, they are as ripe right now as they've ever been, in accordance to what Jesus said. Isaiah 40, 27 says, Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired and weary. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary, increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow weary and tired, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar like wings on eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You and I are called to bring that hope to these people. 
at this time. So instead of wondering ourselves, how is this going to work out and not being sure, we trust in faith and understand in faith we can't see with our eyes what the answer is. But in faith in our heart, we believe he's got this together. We believe he's called us to bring the truth of the gospel and the hope of Jesus Christ to the world that we live in. And their receptivity has gone way up compared to where it was prior to this time of COVID. The last thing. In the midst of any crisis, we must continue to focus our lives on the priority of the gospel. One of the realities of our world since COVID is that it will likely get crazier before it gets more sane. I don't like to say that. I don't want to depress you. If you're depressed, I don't want to make it any worse. But the truth is, it's probably going to get a bit crazier before it settles down. And in the midst of that, you have to understand that the fields are still as white as they've ever been. It doesn't require our ability to understand and articulate everything around us to be able to look for an opportunity for a harvest. The harvest is there. It's right there, right there. Ephesians 6.10 says, Be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand. You may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. The Lord is looking for the church to stand in the midst of COVID as a beacon of hope, as a beacon of salvation, as an answer that may not answer the specifics of COVID, but will answer a question that's much more crucial than that, and that's what happens when I pass from this world. Oswald Chambers wrote in his book, My Utmost for His Highest. He said, reality is not human goodness or holiness or heaven or hell. He said, reality is redemption. The need to perceive this is the most vital need of the Christian worker today. We have to get used to the revelation that redemption is the only reality. In other words, that's all that matters. Personal holiness is an effect of redemption, not the cause of it. If we place our faith in our human goodness or in our to-do list, we'll go under when testing comes. God cannot change me while my interest is solely in developing my personal character. Think about that. That's a profound statement. Paul was not conscious of himself whatsoever. He was recklessly abandoned, totally surrendered, and separated by God for one purpose, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans 9.3, he said, For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Similar to how we can substitute a desire for personal holiness above the redemption of the world, we can do the same by substituting our personal need for answers for obedience. The truth of the matter is that God has called us to take his love and his hope in this time, to those people around us that need it. And if the answers come, great. And if they don't, so be it. But the truth is, he's still God in the midst of this. He still has this. He still called us as disciples to bring this hope and to look for redemption 
in the lives of the men and women that need it. There will be crazy times down the road. They're not over. Some of those are corporate. Some of those are worldwide. And some of them are going to be very specific to you. I want to encourage you that you find your hope in Jesus Christ. If necessary, that you just take a moment and ask the Lord to forgive you if you need to. I know I've had to do this a few times. Father, forgive me for putting my focus on me instead of on you. Instead of getting up every morning and asking how I can bring hope in the midst of this, this scenario that we find ourselves in to the people that really need it. If you're distracted, refocus. Don't walk away from this. See this for what it is. Because the same redemption that you're sharing with those people who know, need to know Christ will bring a sense of satisfaction and peace to your life personally out of obedience. We're called to stand. We're called to stand during this time. Not stand for a political event, a political party necessarily. We're not, we're not called to stand against a bunch of things. I don't believe that. I believe there are some things that he wants us to do and he wants us to speak to. But we can't let that cast aspersions on that one hill that matters. And that hill is Mount Calvary. That's the one that matters the most. That's the thing that matters. This season has depleted the reserves of many people. And that might include you. Jesus has come by his spirit to refresh that. I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to pray that the Holy Spirit will come and show you who God is in the midst of COVID, in the midst of your COVID. It could be a personal thing, maybe not have anything to do with the pandemic. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit through, uh, through the, the wonders, if you will, of technology, because I believe that he's omniscient. He's more than capable of doing this. So right now, he's speaking into your heart, and this is what I want him to say. I want him to say, come to me, lay down your burdens, trust me again afresh. I will not only get you through this situation, but I will anoint you for my purposes in the midst of this time. If you'll just trust me, I've got this. The Holy Spirit would say to you this day, I've got this. I've got it under control. Trust me, I am your God. I'll never leave you. I promised I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you forever. If you pray that prayer personally and ask the Lord to minister that into your heart, you can trust him that from that moment on, he is with you completely if it's the first time you've ever asked him into your heart. And if you're a Christian, my encouragement to you is to stand. <clears throat> stand for something that matters eternally. To stand for something that matters in the lives of men and women who don't yet know Christ as Savior. Maybe you'll not get a chance to tell your neighbor about Jesus, but you can go to them out of concern and say, hey, I'm wondering how you're doing, how you're making it through this particular situation. You'd be surprised how the Lord will not just let you bring a glass of water in his name, but actually bring the truth of his word. It'll be powerful. I'll leave you with that this day. God bless. Now you know what to do. Amen.